Hi, I'm Laura, host of Expand, the podcast for coaches who crave more fulfillment in the work that they do, more meaningful results in the clients they serve, and more confidence to rebel against the traditional boxes our coaching industry has placed us in so we can expand into the bigness of what we're truly capable of. When you're ready, let's jump right in. I'm really excited for this. Um, the strategies I'm going to be sharing with you come directly from what I do, what I focus on. Um, a lot of what I guide my students through as well, I'm going to pull into this conversation and ultimately reframe a lot of perhaps misconceptions, beliefs that you have about what it actually takes to stand out online is my hope. So we're going to be speaking to a lot of that today, but ultimately you're here because you've been taught certain things about how to grow a successful business online, right? We've been taught that we need to be posting everywhere all of the time and that we need to be talking about what we offer all of the time and <laughs> we need to niche down and we need to do these ideal client avatar worksheets and we need to be polarizing but not too pushy and we need to be unique and all of these really let's just say intangible things that feel very daunting especially when we are just starting out right and when I say just starting out like you could have been you can be in this industry for years and still feel like you're just getting your feet wet. I know I did definitely in the start. I, I felt for years, like I had, was just kind of winging it, throwing things out there, hoping something would stick. And that does not feel good. It does not feel good to feel like we don't have a plan. It doesn't feel good to feel like we are getting lost in the mix. And let's face it, y'all, it's only getting bit more crazy out there these days, especially with what has happened over the last year and a half, right? There's a lot of us out there now. There's a lot of coaches circulating the Instagram airwaves these days. So standing out is only becoming more and more difficult. So I want to really offer you a, some tangible things that we can be doing to stand out more effectively, but also some intangible things that you probably haven't considered that are likely playing a huge factor in whether or not you're being heard, you're being paid attention to, okay? And how you feel inside of that. So um, we're gonna get a little emotional at the very end and start to dig into, I mean, you know, that's my favorite type of conversation. Anything, anything to do with emotion, I'm all in on. So we're definitely gonna tie that in at the very end, but not before I give you some tangible things to start to try, okay? All right, it looks like we're all settled. Um, <laughs> I know every time I do these workshops in the morning, no one comes on video because everyone's still just like getting ready for the day. So I appreciate you're here with me. If you're not on video, that's totally fine. If you have questions for me at the end, um, I'll ask that you come on video so I can see your beautiful faces. But of course, no pressure. Um, I get it. I put on makeup like for these things and that's basically it. <laughs> so it's totally fine. Um, okay. So here's the problem, like the real problem with trying to stand out in all of the traditional ways that we've been taught, right? By trying to post more and provide more for our students, or I say students, I have students, clients, provide more for our clients, provide more for the inside of the programs we're creating, like 
we get so caught in doing more and more and more things just to try and stand out that we eventually burn out, right? We start to feel resentful if we're not seeing those efforts pay back, right? We start to feel defeated when we're putting all of this energy out there and just nothing is happening. So really like the traditional way of standing out online, posting more, being everywhere, that's old news, right? That's old news. There's way better ways to be doing this now that doesn't require us to be constantly generating new stuff all of the time or stacking our programs bigger and bigger and bigger, trying to make ourselves sound more valuable than the coach next to us. Okay. That's like a losing battle, you know, because that is only going to continue down that same path unless we interrupt it. At what point are you going to have be able to stop adding more things to your content plan or adding more things to your program? Never. If that's the game you're playing, it's never going to stop. And I'm a big believer, huge, that how we build it is how we keep it. Okay, so if we're just doing things now to create traction, to create attention, but we have no intention of continuing to do those things a year from now, we have a problem. Because if we build our business doing certain things like posting everywhere or creating dancing TikToks or whatever, you will never see me dancing on TikTok. That is something that I, it's just not in my, it's not in my DNA. I considered it for a hot minute and I pushed that right out this, to the other side because it's just never going to happen. But if we build our business doing these things that don't feel good, what makes you think that you're going to be able to just stop doing those one day and keep them built, right? There's this huge misconception that we'll be able to do that. It's, you can't, you can't. Just like when your nutrition client loses a ton of weight doing certain things that maybe are super restrictive and then they stop doing those things and their weight comes back on and they come to you and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm in this constant yo-yo, same exact thing right? They did things to get a result only and they got the result and they stopped doing those things and the weight all came back on. So I want you to start thinking about your business in the same way. Um, I feel like our industry is just constantly in this rush and I'm not downplaying the fact at all that some of us need to build momentum a bit faster. Some of us don't have the luxury of just like winging it and waiting to see what happens and letting it be flowy all of the time. You know, like that is not what I'm suggesting by any stretch of the imagination. What I am suggesting is that we start to create discernment for ourselves around what pieces we are focusing our energy into, how those really feel for us, iterating with time. I'm going to talk to this definitely in more depth in just a minute here, setting the frame. And then what do we need to release as things that we thought we needed to be doing, but really those were just things that we were conditioned to believe we needed to do in order to be successful. And deep down, we're just afraid of failing. And so we're forcing ourselves to do these gross things that aren't actually aligned for who we are or how we want to build our business. Okay. So as I say this, things are probably popping into your head, right? I know when I first started to assess this for myself, Facebook groups, like free Facebook groups, were something that I was forcing myself to do because every mentor I ever had told me I needed to have a free Facebook group. 
And I resisted it so much. And finally, I just let it go. And that freed up so much space and energy to do other things. So just as a practical example, what is your version of a Facebook group? What is something that you're doing right now to try and stand out that isn't working, but you're doing it because you think you need to? Just think of a few things, keep them in your mind as we go through these, these steps together, okay? Ultimately, here's, here's the reality, ladies. I don't think I have any gentlemen in here. Ladies, we, what we know as nutritionists is not unique. Okay, we have all gone through very similar certifications. We all have a very similar knowledge base as a coach, right? There's only so much to know about nutrition. There's no like breaking new evidence or um, research coming out suggesting that everything that we know is not true, right? Everything that we know in our teaching is simply just getting reinforced by new research coming out. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? That tells you that what you know is probably not all that different from what the coach beside you knows. That's not what makes you stand out. You can't, you can't depend on your knowledge alone to help you stand out in this space anymore. It's not unique. The only thing unique about what you know is the way that you explain what you know your perspective, how you have internalized that knowledge. And then through your lens, based on your life experiences, based on the things that you have gone through, based on your beliefs, your, the way you see the world, how you translate that knowledge to your audience is what is unique about you. Okay. If you're playing the game of trying to stack your programs higher and higher and higher with more and more stuff, to make yourself stand out, you're losing. You're not going to win long-term. That has an expiration date on it because guess what? You're in this race with millions of other coaches who are doing the exact same thing, trying to stack their programs with more stuff. I don't know about you, but I believe simplicity is power. That's, that's what I build my business upon. That's what I try very hard to instill into my students. To keep things simple is powerful especially in a noisy industry where everyone else is trying to make things more and more complex. Okay. So if we come back to this idea that the way you are translating your knowledge into the world is the only thing unique about you, how can we leverage that? That's the real question. How can we leverage your perspective as the thing that makes you stand out from everybody else? And how can we allow that to really be powerful inside of the way that you're creating or marketing or selling or whatever, okay? That's the question I wanna answer for you today. Um, ultimately, the way I see things, and if you disagree, this is totally fine. This is literally just my perspective on it. The way I see things is if we can simplify the way that you are trying to stand out, if we can create transparency and connection as your core pillars for the way that you're trying to generate business, you're going to feel like a weight has been lifted off of your shoulders because all of the noise will begin to fall away and you will become a beacon for people who are looking for someone who can make it simple for them, right? Like, Coaches are so 
great at overcomplicating very simple things. <laughs> I see one of my students laughing because we talk about this a lot. Um, we're so good at it. We are so good at it. And here's the thing, like our industry likes to make us think that having more knowledge makes us more valuable. So we take more certifications and we get more continuing ed education credits and we read more books and ingest more podcasts into our brain. And we accumulate this vast amount of knowledge, which is great, which is great. I was just laughing with my husband the other day. I was like, you know what? I bet you if like 90% of podcast listeners out there are probably coaches. Like I cannot name another industry who is more obsessed with listening to podcasts. We are just so we're information sponges. But the thing about having all of this knowledge means that we also, when we're creating content, we have this huge pool of knowledge to pull from. And so it's very hard to simplify something because there's all of these things that we want them to know. We need them to know. And there's all of these contexts that we need to address in order for someone to be able to take what we're saying and apply it. So I have a really great strategy that I'm going to give you today to help you overcome this. But just know and, and recognize in yourself, are you moving away from simplicity and moving towards complexity because your perception is that you need people to know that you know a lot in order to stand out from everybody else and to feel valuable in our space? And then if you think about how you consume information, like if you're looking for a business mentor or something, right, who are you most attracted to? the person who can simplify really complex things and give you one or two things to do, or the person who throws everything at you and says, here's your entire strategy, go for it. And now you feel overwhelmed and very small because you don't feel capable of actually taking action on that. Right? So the very first thing that I want to teach you is how to simplify your message so that it feels approachable, so it feels digestible, so that you can begin to stand out, not because you know the most, but because you can display your value inside of how much you know by making something really complex, very simple for someone to, to see and understand and internalize and take action on, okay? So before I do that, I need you to understand that when people are looking at your content, they're not looking for someone who knows everything and can give them the whole picture all at once, right? What people are really looking for these days, especially now more than ever before, is they want someone who can show them that they understand where they're at. They want someone who can show them that they get the struggles they've been through and that that's normal and that that's okay and that you know, you have a solution that's different from other people to help them move through that. Okay. They want to feel successful. They want to be able to trust you. They want to feel supported by you. They want to feel truly connected to you. And if we create this barrier, oh my gosh, it's loud outside. I'm sorry. It's hot in my office. I'm in the open. If we have this barrier of like all of this knowledge between us and them, it feels very turbulent for them to like clamber through all of this knowledge to be able to trust us. The faster we can get people into motion in their life, the faster we can build trust. And the faster we can build trust, the faster we can actually pull them in closer to wanting to work with us. That's how we stand out, you guys. Simplicity and making people feel like they can actually do the thing. 
Okay. It's our ego that gets in the way of providing that for someone else because we're constantly comparing ourselves to other coaches, thinking that we need to display our knowledge in order for people to want to work with us over them. That is not true at all. Think about how you consume and who you are most attracted to. Okay. You guys with me so far? Okay. Amazing. So in order to do this, this is something I teach uh, my students inside of trigger mapping, but I decided to share it with you anyways, pull that out and give this to you because it's something that is just so powerful to understand. When you're creating content, okay, and this isn't about like how much you should be creating or where you should be creating or the types of content. This is talking about your core messaging. We need to be speaking to the symptoms of what's actually going on in someone's life versus the pain that they're experiencing. Okay, so let me back up. When we are traditionally taught to create content, you've all done a client avatar worksheet before. I know you have. They're like free downloads everywhere, right? If you haven't done one, you can drop in the chat and I'm sure I can scrounge one up for you so you know what I'm talking about. But you have been taught to identify your client's pain points. The problem is that we stop there. We identify our client's pain points and we say, okay, I'm going to create content about their pain points and that's going to make me stand out. But I don't know if you've noticed that everyone's Instagram bio sounds the same. Everyone's working with the same people. Everyone wants to help people with stuff beyond just macros or meal plans. Everyone wants to create food freedom for their people, right? Like that's who we are as coaches now. Collectively, that is our role. That's what people want in us. That's not what makes us unique in our content. What makes us unique in our content is if we can take their pain points, distill it down to how that pain is actually showing up for them in their life and speak to that because that is what's going to attract people to you and make you stand out from everybody else who's staying up here on the surface. Okay, so here's an example of what a symptom versus a pain point looks like so you can start to get into action with this yourself. A pain point would be like, can't stop binging on the weekend after having a great week, Monday through Friday. Generic pain point, right? Or struggling to get enough protein in your diet or struggling to eat your vegetables. Like these are all very generic pain points that all of our clients struggle with, right? It's not unique to your niche. But what is unique to whoever it is that you want to work with is how that's showing up in their life. What are the, what's the emotional experience they're going through when Friday rolls around and they're driving home from work? What are the thoughts that they're having when they wake up on Saturday morning and they know they have a potluck that afternoon with their in-laws, right? The fact that they keep binging on the weekend runs so much deeper than just the fact that they keep binging on the weekend. Do you follow me? So for example, they, they're driving home Friday afternoon and they know it's, it's you know Saturday and Sunday tomorrow, obviously. They know their pattern. They know last weekend was a write-off and they're like kind of pep talking themselves. This weekend's gonna be different. I'm not gonna do that again. And they walk in the door and their kids run up to them and they're like, mommy, let's, daddy said we're having a pizza night tonight, right? And they go, oh, here we go again. That feeling, that thought process is what we need to pull out and be speaking to. 
when someone reads or hears you speak to the fact that you understand that they're going through this debate in their head before they get home, they understand the pressures they feel from their family on the weekend, and you understand the fact that they feel conflicted around how to navigate the weekend and that that's normal and that's okay. And, and here's what we can do about it. Here's one to three little tips you can try this weekend to shift you out of that headspace in particular, or to normalize that emotional experience. You stand out because everybody else is giving them a list of 10 things to do to stop them from binging on the weekend. Right? It's not about whether they binge or not. It's about why. What has got them to that point? What is their experience in that moment when that pain point is present? Who are they around? What is going on? Paint that picture for them and you will stand out. Does this make sense? Do you guys get this? Okay, I see nothing in the chat. So I'm assuming everyone's like, yep, I'm totally on board with this. If this is not hitting home for you, yes, yes. Okay, good. Oh my gosh, I have a hair in my mouth. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Good, good, good. I see a couple nods. That's awesome. It's so hard to do that concisely. It is. It is when we try and talk about too much all at once. If you struggle to concisely speak to this, it's because we're trying to, we're still too big. We still need to zoom it in a bit smaller. Okay, so if we're using this example, like binge eating on the weekends, we're like, okay, how can I help this person not binge on the weekend? That's not the right question. The right question is, how can I help this person navigate the thought process they're going through on the way home? That one teeny, teeny, tiny piece of their experience is where we should focus. Does that make sense? So instead of saying, okay, this is how you're not going to binge this weekend, we're going to focus on one small little aspect that's contributing to the binge. And we're going to help them change that because we know big changes come from small actions, right? But when our content is always centered around making big actions, people are not going to do it without your support. Save the big things for when they're a client, give them little things that lead them to want to become a client. So like, let's say you give them a couple of strategies to navigate the thought process they're going through on the way home. So this Friday, when you're driving home from work and you're preparing for the weekend mentally, try asking yourself these three questions and then revisit these questions on Saturday morning and let me know how this changes things for you this weekend. If you create a small shift for them, if they feel a little bit more grounded, if they feel a little bit more intentional, We've won, and now we can build on that, okay? And we build on that by moving into the second thing that I wanna to talk to you about, which is creating opportunities for connection. So creating opportunities for connection is the entire point of everything that we're doing online, but we lose sight of that. We lose sight of that. We create content thinking that's gonna automatically generate clients. We create. We put workshops on and run challenges and, and do launches thinking that people should just buy from us because we know what we're talking about because we have all of this knowledge and they should just trust that. That is not true anymore. People don't just trust you. You have to earn that trust. And sometimes it takes months and that's okay. 
Because guess what? When you're consistent with always creating new opportunities to connect, it's going to feel slow in the beginning, but very slowly it's going to snowball. Okay, when I first started running these workshops, I would have like three of you on here. That's okay, but I run them every single month because I love it and I know it's valuable. And, and slowly that trust builds. And some of you have been on my email list for months, right? I want to create as many opportunities as possible to connect with you so that we can actually talk about real stuff. That's more fulfilling for me and way more valuable for you. So when you're creating, I want you to start thinking about what sorts of opportunities for connection feel fulfilling for me. Not what do I need to do to get, what would feel good for me? Okay, is it running workshops like this one once a month? Is it running a Facebook group for you? Do you love that? Do you love showing up in there? Do you like running lives? Do you want to put out a podcast? Right? Do you want to create like little mini challenges? Do you want to create paid challenges? What feels best for you? Everything can work. Everything can work. At the start of this year, um, for the last couple of years, I've been doing like launches. And at the start of this year, I was like, no more. I hate them. I hate running launches. My program is open. I'm not launching anymore. I want to run these free workshops because I love that and it fills me up and I know I can provide value here and whoever shows up great. I just want to connect more with people. And since doing that, I feel better and it's received better too. You know, so you have to understand the way you're creating something is the exact same way it's being received. If you're doing something just to get something, it's never going to be received in the way you want it to be received. It's never going to work for you long-term. You have to have a long-term mentality when you're thinking about what opportunities you want to create to connect with people and how you want to do that. And please come back to simplicity. You don't need to be doing challenges and workshops and running a free Facebook group and going live every week and being on your stories every day and dancing on TikTok. But you truly don't. In my opinion, you truly don't. And if you want to, amazing. But what's worked for me and what works for most of my students is figuring out what is, what is the core place that I want to show up daily or weekly. So if that's Instagram for you and you like popping on your stories, awesome. I hate popping on stories. It's very energetically draining for me. It's very hard for me. So I show up on my stories like once a week or so. Um, if that's Facebook for you or TikTok or whatever, where is your core content going to be? So you can start to like let people know who you are and what you're about. And then how are you going to scrape the hot lead off the top? So think about your core content as like connection builders, trust builders, right? What are you doing all the time to continue to practice your message, to talk to their symptoms, to create intimacy, oh my goodness, create intimacy, create trust, create opportunities to connect. And then what are the bigger things you're going to do to scrape those hot leads off the top? Once you've warmed people up, what people forget is that we need to actually create an opportunity for someone to become a client of yours, right? So for me, I like doing workshops like this. I like showing up live. That feels best for me. I like joint venture stuff. I like like chatting with other communities. That's really fun for me. I get fulfilled by that. 
But for you, maybe you run a challenge once a quarter or you run a mini challenge once a month in your free Facebook group or whatever. You need to get creative and think outside the box. Our biggest problem is we always look outside of ourselves for the right way. And that causes us to fall into overwhelm and we do nothing. Because we look around and our perception is everybody is doing everything. That's what it looks like, right? If you follow people who are crushing it, it looks like they're constantly promoting themselves. They're constantly going live. They're constantly doing launches. And some of them are. Some of them have teams. Okay, some of them have teams that support them. So we need to stop comparing where we are to where other people are and stop thinking that we should be able to do all of the same strategies that XYZ person is because it's working for them. It's working for them great, but what's going to work for you? You have to start where you feel best. Okay. Also, my perfectionists <laughs> get messy. You are not going to have the perfect plan. It doesn't matter. You don't need the perfect plan. You don't need the perfect email sequence. You don't need the perfect way to pitch people. You don't need the perfect slides. You don't need any of that shit. All you need is clarity on what your message is. What are their symptoms? What do they really need to hear from you? What's unique about the way you're viewing these things? Why does that feel great for you to share? Why do they need to hear that from you? And how are you going to tell it to them? Let me tell you, these workshops are the easiest way to do it, in my opinion. You prep a little bit, you blast it out to your audience, whoever shows up, shows up, and you get to talk about what really fills you up in a way that's fully aligned for you without trying to be something that you're just not. Okay, so you really need to look at that. Where are you getting in your own damn way? Right, where are you stopping yourself because you're afraid of being seen in the way that you don't want to be seen? Where you're afraid of not being put together or you're afraid of needing to look at notes. I always have notes beside me. I always like to keep you know, track of where I'm at and where I'm guiding you. I never just wing it. I always plan for it. Are we afraid of that someone's going to catch us looking at our notes? Like, no one cares. Truly, no one cares. Do you guys care? I have my notes right here. No. Exactly. It doesn't matter. So where are you stopping yourself because you're afraid of not being perfect? And how can you start to create some messy action? Because, like, this is so cliche and it's said everywhere, but truly, getting into action builds more action. Okay, when you don't get into action, all your brain can do is create stories about what you need to do because that's its form of action, right? It feels like it's busy because it's constantly going, but you're not actually doing anything. So if I've inspired you to maybe do a workshop or something, um, get it on the calendar, start planning out what it's going to be, let it be imperfect, Practice sharing this message with your people. Get clear on the symptoms of whatever topic it is that you're going to be speaking to. And just free flow with it. We need to decondition you a little bit, okay? It needs to be playful. It needs to feel easy. It needs to feel juicy. If it doesn't, there's a time limit on it. I have never done anything consistently for as long as I've done these workshops for. This is the first time I've actually done something that feels really good for me. You have to find that for you. And the only way you find that is by trying things and not taking six months to try it. 
<laughs> okay? It's me six years before you find the thing you're going to like. Just like make a list. I want to try these five things and I'm going to pick the one that feels the best. I'm going to run with that for the next six months. Cool. Bang them out in the next month. Figure out what feels best and run with that. That's what I would do. Okay. So the third thing is holding yourself back. So we talked about symptoms. Okay. If you guys need more clarity on this, absolutely just ask me. I'm happy to provide it. Um, we talked about creating opportunities for connection as being the thing that really helps you stand out, right? Because remember, people can feel the energetic exchange. If you are doing things to get, people feel that. If you're doing things to connect, people feel that. Okay. I guess the last thing actually with uh, creating opportunities for connection is you have to have patience. Okay. You can't like create opportunities for connection and then rush the conversion. You need to trust and you need to have patience. You need to let it build with time. I can't tell you how many times I've fallen into this in the past, how many times my students fall into this in the currently and in the past where you know, they say, okay, I'm going to do a workshop. And then they plan this whole workshop and they take messy action and they launch it and they have three people there and they're like, that sucks. I'm never doing that again. You know what I mean? Like, you guys, if I told you how many workshops I've done where no one showed up, you wouldn't believe me. It's atrocious. The number is very high. Double digits for sure. Okay. But it's all about like figuring it out and letting it be iterative and letting your audience grow and letting them trust you enough to show up at the workshop. If, if every time you promote something, it feels pushy, are people gonna wanna be there? No, but if you genuinely want to connect with people and that strategy feels amazing for you, are they gonna wanna be there? Yeah, right? Even if you pitch at the end, it doesn't matter because you can, they can feel from you that, you genuinely care. You want to help them. That's all that matters to build trust. But it takes time, y'all. It takes lots of time. Okay, that's why we need consistency and frequency and why we have to get out of perfectionism so you don't do one workshop every six months and wonder why you haven't grown it in a year. Okay, getting this? So the third one is hold yourself back. So what I mean when I say hold yourself back ties back into the first two. We need to understand that in order for people to trust us, in order for them to want to talk to us, in order for them to eventually want to work with us, in order to stand out, simplicity in our message and simplicity in what we're guiding them on needs to be present. Okay, coaches are really great, like I said at the start, at giving lists of 10 to 15 things that we need to do in order to create this one simple change. What I want to challenge you to do is pick one of those things, talk about that, and let all the other 15 things be other pieces of content you can talk about in the future. Right? They don't need to know everything all at once. When we try and tell them everything all at once, they get overwhelmed. They don't do anything. And if we don't create a result or a shift in them, they aren't going to come back. Think about people's consumption patterns now, right? 
if you go to someone's page, you've never been there before, and you read a post, and it, it captures you, like if you're interested in it, it, they hit the symptom right, maybe, and you, you read through, and it gives you 15 things that you need to do, and you leave that feeling super overwhelmed and badly about yourself, are you going to keep going back to that person for more advice? Versus if they hit the symptom on the head and they give you one teeny tiny thing to do, you're like, yeah, I can do that. And you do it and you feel some sort of small shift. Are you going to go back? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're going to go back the second time. You're like, what else does she have? How can I build on this? What more do I need to know? What's my next step? People aren't reading your content expecting you to change their life in one post. Okay, they're not expecting that you're going to help them overcome their binge eating on the weekend in one, in one little snippet. If you can break it down and make them feel held and make them feel safe and make them feel successful, they will keep coming back and they will, you will have more opportunities to connect with them and you'll warm them up faster and faster. Okay, so really audit yourself. What sorts of content am I creating? The symptoms is a great way to strip down the larger concepts you're trying to tackle. Okay, one, like binge eating on the weekend is one big overarching thing. You could have 30 to 40 symptoms beneath that. Does that make sense? I might email out afterwards a quick little checklist of how to figure out what those symptoms are. So when you're holding yourself back and not wanting to overwhelm them, this applies across the board, okay? In every piece of content you create, in every way that you show up. Something that I used to be famous for with these workshops is again, like stacking it, wanting to provide so much value. And then I would get a million questions afterwards. I'm like, okay, I gave them way too much. I lost some of them. I need to simplify. So this is not gonna be instant for you. You're going to have to practice this. That's okay. Sometimes you're going to get carried away and you're going to get really excited and you'll write a big, long post. You'll write a huge master blog or you'll go live and you'll end up talking for 90 minutes, right? Just recognize that pattern in yourself and remind yourself, this is not necessarily more helpful than if I went live for 10 minutes. Okay, who's consuming this? This needs to be geared towards them so that they can create a result from what I'm saying, okay? Um, and remembering that a lot of the time when we do this, it's our own ego. We're trying to be fancy. We're trying to be the expert. We're trying to share all of our knowledge, right? How many, I used to do this all the time where I would like create a post and then I would second guess posting it because I was worried about other people in the industry questioning my knowledge. Does that happen to you ever? You ever wonder like, are people going to read this and think I don't know what I'm talking about? And if we make it all the time, yeah. And if we make it too simple, or do we feel like we're just too like small? Like we don't know enough and people aren't going to take us seriously? Imposter syndrome, yes. Oof, yes, exactly. This happens to me all the time. Yes, guys, this is just your brain keeping you safe. Remember the most impactful people you follow are the people who simplify the things that are in your mind that are overwhelming you. Okay. You have to stop worrying about what other coaches think. It doesn't affect you. 
sometimes you're going, you may get called out. I got called out early on in my career and it stunted me for so long. I remember I was like a fresh PN1 grad and I posted something and a registered dietitian commented on it and totally called me out. And I was like, oh my God, instant shrink, right? Like, I'm so embarrassed. Um, you know what? I helped someone with that piece of advice. Yeah, how did you manage that? Well, I hid for a little bit of time and I cried about it. And eventually I posted again because I realized that the things I was posting about were helping people. And that what I was posting wasn't for that dietitian. And I don't need to be perfect in order to help. Because what's really helping them is my ability to connect with them. And that my advice isn't unique. And that lots of other coaches are going to say the exact same thing, but it's my perspective that connected with them. So I have an opportunity here to either help or to shrink. that's what I come back to. I still get scared sometimes to post, not like rarely anymore because I've posted some pretty crazy shit and that's fine. People don't like it and that's fine, right? Like the people I'm posting for need my message. So what you shared wasn't factually wrong. It was simply another perspective. Yeah. Like it was macro-based essentially. And she was like, we shouldn't be, you shouldn't be talking about macros with blah, 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 blah. And that was like back when, if you couldn't track macros, I couldn't help you like over a decade ago. And people always have opinions. Exactly. Yeah. So she didn't agree with my approach. It wasn't factually wrong. I wasn't harming anyone. Here's the thing though, you guys, like not to go down a rabbit hole, but let's say, let's say what you posted about by like in the most recent research doesn't necessarily hold up. Let's say you give someone some piece of advice, but it breaks them out of a pattern or it gives them a new perspective or it gets them into motion, right? Or you learn a lesson. Someone corrects you and you learn how to be better next time. You can't ever be wrong. No one's going to read your post and ruin their life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen. Let yourself be wrong. Let yourself be vulnerable enough to be wrong and you will grow so much faster. How do you deal with other people's opinions? I feel like I'm never doing anything right because everyone else has so many different opinions. So other coaches or clients, Sarah? Like do clients challenge what you're saying? Coaches, okay. I mean, the unhelpful answer is to stop caring. Like who are people, where are you? Do you wanna unmute and we can chat? If you don't want to, that's totally fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so are coaches actually calling you out or messaging you or what's, what's the actual scenario here? Give me some context. So I currently work at a gym where we do mostly personal training. Okay. And so that's where I get a lot of my clients. And so I'm trying to focus on like nutrition too, but mostly personal training right now. Uh, and so like I do run my own business there. And so I know like people are just trying to help, but like with them, like telling me, oh, well, you could do this better and you can do this better. And I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I'm not doing anything right now. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So this is, this is a, this is a growth edge for you. That's going to be ongoing for quite some time because 
like this context is just going to shift into another context in another area of your life or your business all the time, right? Like if we constantly need to prove what we're doing to the people around us, we're just never going to do anything because there's always going to be someone with an opinion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what I would offer you is this idea of, you know, what's something that you can say to those people that will anchor you in your truth, in what you feel you know, but also acknowledge them. We don't want to create turbulence. We don't want to create like friction between you. You work together. But something as simple as, you know what, thank you so much for weighing in. I am definitely, you know, always continuing to learn and evolve. Um, I'll take that into consideration next time. Okay. Yeah, that works. Right. And then just internally for yourself though, that's where the real work needs to happen. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So maybe even adopt, do you journal? Is that a thing for you or no? Okay. So adopting a practice of keeping a journal at work with you. So you can just jot down triggering moments and then investigating them later. Why did what they say trigger me so much? You know, why, why did I do things the way that I did things? Is it possible that the way I showed that client to do that one exercise actually served them better than had I taken that other approach? Okay. What makes me, do you know what I mean? And like, why do I think that they actually know more than I do? Just because they have more technical experience? Okay, great. I can learn from them. Let's stay open to that. Right. Okay, a lot of where our self-doubt comes from is when we take what someone else says and we, we attach shame and judgment to it and we internalize and attach to it. That yeah. person meant good, right? They weren't meaning to shame you or judge you. They were, tr- I like to believe they were truly meaning to help you, but it's our internal story that creates the shame and judgment around it. So that's the work for you, okay? It's not about them. It's about allowing that to trigger you and looking at it and investigating it and recognizing that it has nothing to do with whether you taught someone to deadlift properly or not. It's the fact that you're judging yourself for what you did instead of feeling proud of yourself for helping someone that day okay. or what it was for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. It's so common, you guys, but you have to remember that you have to remember that anytime that you doubt yourself because of what someone else did or said, it's never about them. On some level, you're trying to prove yourself to them because you were taught that you have to. And if you don't, you're not good at what you do. You know what I mean? But that's not true. That's not true. Let me tell you, this is, I mean, this is a rabbit hole, but that's totally fine. I love this conversation too, Leandra. Um, so when I still owned my gym, my husband and I, we owned a gym here in Edmonton for five years. The last year we owned it, um, we, our city has like a, a competition where you, in the fitness space, it's called Yag Fitness. You get like nominated as best trainer or whatever. And I won best trainer that year. And like in my whole city, which was so incredible, but I am not the best technical trainer. Like, yeah, I can help someone deadlift a good amount of weight with a straight back. And yeah, I can pretty much teach a squat and I'm not strong at all. Or like, I don't have the most complex programming and I just didn't care about learning that stuff. I was voted best trainer because of the way I made my clients feel. 
and the, my ability to create results for them because of how I was able to talk to them about what was really going on in their life and what was really stopping them from seeing results. So just because someone else thinks that you need to improve a certain skill set doesn't mean you actually do. Your strength may be somewhere else. I was told by every trainer around me for years, for years, that my emotional attachment to my clients was a hindrance on my ability to help them. Like I would cry with my clients. I would cry when they left me. I would like, I'm, I am an emotional being, you guys. Okay, I love emotion. But I pushed it away for a long time because, oh, a trainer, I shouldn't get attached to my clients. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, talk about emotion with my clients. I need to just like stick to the program and, and get them strong and get them weight loss and whatever. Like, thanks, traditional fitness industry. But when I finally leaned into that as being what was unique about me, going back to what is unique about you, what is the lens you're viewing all of this through? What's the special spin that you get to put on all of this knowledge that we all accumulate? Was when I was really able to grow out of that box and set myself on this new path. And that's when I felt recognized for that. Right. So this is just my invitation for you to start looking at that inside of yourself. What are the pieces of you that you push away because you think it's a liability or you don't see value in it? What if you let those come through in your coaching? How would that separate you from the path? You know, how would that make you feel different inside of the work that you're doing? And how would how would that make the way that you're educating your clients feel different for them? Is it possible that the pieces you're hiding away are what they really need to trust you fully? Very possible. Okay. Mm, yummy. I love this conversation. Okay. Um, okay. So number four, actually, this is a perfect segue. This is great. Number four is that it's not just about social media. Not just about what we post, it's also about our clients' journey and the experience that they're give, getting. Okay, whether you have no clients, one client, 15 clients, it doesn't matter. I want you to start thinking about this. Ultimately, this is a scaffolding effect. Okay, if all you're focusing on is getting clients, how can I stand out online to get more clients? And once they become a client, the experience is vanilla. Your results are vanilla because you don't invest yourself in actually connecting with your clients. You don't invest yourself in establishing the skills to work with the intangibles that they maybe hired you for or whatever. You don't have a clearer client journey mapped out and it feels kind of messy and disjointed. Are you going to continue to feel confident to pull more clients in if the clients you have are feeling scattered? No, right? You're not going to. You're not going to feel confident to show up and say, this is what I can help you with if you don't truly believe that you can help them with that. So start looking at your client journey. How do you want people to feel? Okay, I shared this with uh, my trigger mapping students on a recent call. I want to share it with you really quickly. I was just away on a vacation in Banff. If you guys know, Banff in Canada is like one of the hot spots. Anyways, beautiful there. And we went, there's a five diamond restaurant there. It's one of two in Canada. And we decided to splurge and 
and go treat ourselves to this like five diamond experience. It was incredible. But what I really pulled out and what, what the topic of our conversation was always about business um, was like, oh my gosh, all of the little things that they did that made you just feel so special. Like you were on this other level that you really mattered to them, even though you were just a tip to them, right? Like you really mattered to them. They really cared about the experience that you had and how you felt. And that made me start to think, okay, how can I create my five diamond experience? What are all the little things that I want to do for my students to make them feel that exact same way when they're with me? And I think that's just so powerful because if you can make someone feel so seen and supported by you, you're going to retain them for longer. You're going to feel way more confident inviting people into that journey because you know what's waiting for them. You know it's going to be an experience they've never had before right? And you're going to talk about it unapologetically everywhere. Plus, those people are going to become your biggest asset. So when we're talking about like creating momentum in your business, your client journey is just as important to help you stand out online. It's a slow play. Okay, this isn't something where you're like, okay, mapped out my client journey. Boom, I'm going to get all these new clients because I'm just amazing. People have to experience it and have time to trust you in it and have time to talk to other people about it. But without this piece in play, it will never be a factor in separating you from the pack. Think about the reputation you're building. Okay, and then what are those, what is the five diamond experience you want to create? Let yourself think creatively and with originality. How would you want to feel if you were working with a coach? What are little things that you would want them to do that would just like, blow your mind, put you over the top. It could be like little things like remembering their birthday, remembering their dog's name, remembering their dog's birthday, right? Sending them a little gift in the mail halfway through their time together or sending them flowers when you knew they had a really hard week or, you know, texting them on Sunday because you remembered that they were really nervous about something or whatever. It's all about pulling them in closer. How do you want that onboarding process to feel for them? Do you want them to feel scattered and overwhelmed? Or do you want it to feel easy and refreshing? Start with how you want them to feel and work backwards. What can I do to make them feel that way? And what do I need to stop doing to counter, that's counteracting that feeling? Okay, I have a workshop called Flawless First Sessions that I can send you, it's free. Um, if you want an idea of what I mean when we onboard people in a different way, right? Instead of setting that relationship off in a turbulent, chaotic way, how can we onboard them to make them feel grounded and excited for the journey ahead? That sort of thing. So anyways, just something to think about for yourself. Okay, what pieces inside your current client journey make you second guess yourself? Right, what are you currently doing or not doing that make you doubt yourself? And what's, what's the most uncomfortable thing that you're doing right now in the work that you do? So when you're working with your clients, what feels super uncomfortable and turbulent for you? Do you not know when they're checking in with you? Do you struggle to get clear answers for, from them? Like there's a reason for everything. It's up to us to figure out what that reason is so we can elevate their experience and make them feel safer with us, okay? Okay, and the last one, we sort of already touched on when we were digging into imposter syndrome, but your own growth is required to stand out. We're all looking for the strategy. Every single one of us, 
It's like, just tell me what to do to stand out online. Give me the five things. Give me that checklist, Laura. I'm ready for it. And I'll do it. I know you will because you're all perfectionists. You're all type A. Most coaches are. But that's not it. That's not it. In order to stand out online, we have to move through our perfectionism. In order to stand out online, we have to stop doubting ourselves. In order to stand out online, we have to be willing to say vulnerable things. We have to be willing to go against the curve. We have to be willing to stop creating content that looks like everybody else's and get clear on what makes us unique and start creating content through that lens. Let our message be really special. As a quick example, I was just chatting with one of my students the other day about her message. And just like in a brain dump, she wrote out something beautiful that was so different than anything I'd ever seen before, a, a niche that was really unique to her. And, but she's talking about weight loss all the time. This niche had nothing to do with weight loss. And she was like, oh, Laura, if I could just help women with this, that would be incredible. But I feel like I have to talk about weight loss because that's all people want. How do you know that? I feel like coaches get stuck in this all the time, like doing what they think they need to do to be successful instead of talking about the things that light them up and they know people need to hear. We're keeping our magic hidden away until the time is right, until we're successful enough, right? Until we have enough authority. Those things are how you build authority, okay? Not being afraid to say something that might be challenged is how you build authority. You can't stand out if everything you talk about is the same as everybody else. And remember, it's not the topic, it's the perspective. You can talk about protein in an entirely different way because of your experience and by pulling emotion in and by talking about their symptoms. I had a business coach tell me I had to tell people I had helped them lose weight. Yeah, because you know why? If you follow the pack and you happen to create fast results because you're talking to super tangible things that everybody wants, that looks good for her. That's why. Yep, no, you have to talk about weight loss. You need to post testimonials. You need to do all of these things. Cool, those all feel gross for me. Do them anyways. Why? Because she wants to look good, right? And that's not always the case. She just may not have known better. But sure, talk about weight loss through a different lens. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not demonizing weight loss. Like I used to coach weight loss too. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your message looks the same as everybody else, you need to take a step back and ask yourself, what is my unique perspective? What is the emotion tied to this? What are the symptoms? I'm going to send you that email so you can figure that out for yourself. Okay, start speaking to it in that way. Also, what are the beliefs that your people need to overcome in order to hear what you're saying to them? We need to start talking about that. So for example, if your clients believe wholeheartedly that when they lose 10 pounds, they are going to be happier, that is still happening. You guys, it's wild to me that this is still a belief circulating. It's gonna be around for decades still, for sure. It's a war we all need to wage together. But if they still believe that, and you're over here saying, work on yourself first, right? Work on your emotions or whatever. Like, oh my gosh, that's such a bad example. But you know what I mean, right? If they want this and you're telling them this, 
and we are like, oh, I'm still not standing out. Yeah, because you didn't bridge the gap for them. You have to help them take their hand and go, I know this is what you believe. Have you thought about it this way? Okay, you're thinking about it this way. Let's take it a step further. And you can't create this huge gap between your message and where they're at. You need to take their hand and connect those dots. We need to stop making assumptions that people will connect the dots themselves. They will not. Okay, it's becoming really well known that mindset work's important. This is great for us, right? It's awesome. But we're just tiptoeing in. A lot of coaches still don't understand that the way that we're coaching mindset work is only the very first step. We're so stuck in awareness and we're normalizing awareness as, as the work. When really there's a bunch of layers to it that we need to be able to coach them through. Okay, so we, and in order to get them to those layers, we need to take our hand and guide them through it. So anyways, this is all to say, your own growth is so important to being able to help people in this way. Where do you question yourself? What are the beliefs you have around showing up, around the message that you really want to speak to? Where are you limiting yourself? What are the beliefs they need to change in order to be ready for your new message? How can you settle into trusting that this is going to work for you instead of questioning it every step of the way? I keep this book on my desk. I'll show it to you. You guys familiar with this? Comfortable with Uncertainty by Pima Chodron. If you haven't read this book, like I have every second page is dog-eared. I look at it just about every morning. Uncertainty is a really uncomfortable growth edge for me. Yes, bought it at your recommendation. <laughs> so I'm good. Um, uncertainty is a very uncomfortable growth edge for me as well. It's very difficult to just like surrender and trust and know that even though there may be a slow build that, that it's coming, right? Like trusting in that future snowball when you just have that very first snowflake, it's hard. This is a great book for that. So if you struggle with uncertainty, if you struggle with trusting, um, that's one that I would definitely pick up. Also this one, gosh, just random books on my desk. Loving What Is. I get this one to all of my students because it, it seriously changed my life. It changed how I coach. Um, you will love it, okay? That's an amazing one too. Yes, Laura, yes, yes, yes. Oh, bye Jennifer, so good to see you. Take care. Yeah, I guess I should wrap up and see if anybody has any questions. Um, I guess what I'll just leave you with is this idea that if you are feeling unsure about how to actually create those deeper results for your clients, if you're unsure about those steps to take in the mindset piece and you feel like that could be a differentiator for you in the industry, like being able to actually work with your clients on this deeper level beyond what we're traditionally taught, beyond just the, the typical mindset work that's sort of circulating this, this space right now, let me know. Um, I have some space and trigger mapping right now. So I'm definitely looking to fill a few more spots in July and would love to chat with you more about what that could look like for you. If that feels something that you're called to, um, I have information that I can send you. So nothing super formal. I'll just send you a link that you can check out. And if it feels aligned, then you can let me know and we can chat further about whether or not that would be a good fit for you. But essentially, inside of that program, I help you really uncover the true blocks, the true triggers, the true patterns of your emotional eaters and how to use a clear framework to guide them to deeper change. And also how to talk about it 
online so that people understand why that work is important. Remember bridging that gap? Like, how do we bridge that gap for people so that they understand why you're different and how you're different and actually feel um, excited to work with you? Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed what you heard and you want more, I'd love if you'd subscribe to my show wherever you get your podcasts. Good karma points for also leaving a review while you're at it. And lastly, if you're looking to dive even deeper, you'll find a ton of free workshops, mini trainings, and the details on my mentorship program, Trigger Mapping, over at laurapobrin.com. See you next time.